Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus once again this morning. Commit every one of us into your hands, O Lord. It is your word. Father, it is our privilege, O Lord, that you choose earthen vessels like like me and all of us to bear your holy name among all the people who, who don't believe and even among those who believe. Father, I pray, Lord, even as now, therefore, we meditate upon your word, that you would speak to our hearts. Speak to us. Speak to us, O Lord. We just humble ourselves, and Lord, we acknowledge that there is only one teacher, and all of us are your students. Father, therefore, I pray that you would anoint us this morning, the speaking and the hearing of the word, that, Lord, even under the anointing, every yoke of the evil one will be broken. And all of us will be set free to worship you and to serve you. You said a lot in your word, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Oh, Father, I pray, Father, that every one of us this morning and even those who are in the Sunday school will be, Father, taught of you. To that end, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would bless us this morning. Bless this time of listening to your word. Even as the word gets exposited, I pray, Lord Jesus, faith will arise in even in our hearts. Because you said, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Therefore, O Lord Jesus, touch us, touch us, we pray. We are absolutely dependent upon you and you alone. We thank you, we praise you, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Yes, if you were there last Sunday, we had uh, a teaching session on, on doctrine. The four attributes of doctrine, and if you're there last Sunday, I would request you to just go and go back home and listen to it again if you haven't heard it. And if you have heard it, listen to it again. There's no, there's no harm in listening to it over and over again. And the reason why we, we, uh, emphasize so much on the scriptures, especially in our church and in every church where the true word of God is preached is because of this 316, 2 Timothy 316, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. All, every part of scripture. Uh, actually, it's God breathed, it's breathed by God. He was the one who breathed the word of God through earthen vessels, 40 authors, over 60, uh, 60 authors, 40, 60, 40 authors, if I'm right, 66 books and 40 authors, and the, all of them inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's therefore, it's given by God, and it is therefore profitable for doctrine, for a proof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that a man of God may be complete. That is the reason why it is given. It is so that we may be complete, perfect, lacking nothing, whole, okay, thoroughly equipped for every good work. That is the reason why we are saved. We are just not saved so that we can we can just go to heaven and enter into heaven. No, 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 no. That is not the reason why we are saved. The reason we were saved is found in Ephesians chapter two, verse ten. It says, "For we are His workmanship." The word is poema in Greek. Poem. We are God's poem. Is writing a poem. We are his poem. Poema. Workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. For what? For good works. Therefore, we read scripture. Good works. 
which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And I believe this with all of my heart. And I, and even as I, uh, you know, walk with the Lord and serve God now, after having come out of secular, the secular field, I know that the reason why I am here is for this one purpose is to teach, to preach, to devour the scriptures myself and to preach and teach to you. That my, my, my mission is becoming clearer and clearer day by day. That is the work that God has ordained even before the foundations of the world were laid. That was the good work that he was preparing me for all these years. Through all the secular education that you are, you might, you may be going through, but God may be preparing you for that one good work that he has ordained even before the foundation of the world was laid. And he's preparing you for that. And in order for you to finish and to be equipped for that good work, he says, I've given you scripture so that you may be complete, thoroughly equipped for those good works which God has ordained for us. That is the reason why we study scripture. Okay. Not only that we uh, study scripture for knowing and being equipped to do every good work, but we also study scripture to reflect God in the works that we do. For example, it says in John's Gospel chapter 5 verse 39, you search the scriptures for in them you think that you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me, meaning the scriptures even as we read and we even as we get equipped, the good works that we do should reflect the character of God, should, uh, should reflect the uh, uh, eternal life that we know him. We just don't know what we should be doing, but we should know him. That is, that is what that we should have eternal life. What, what is eternal life? You know this verse, John's Gospel, chapter 17, verse 3, it says, This is eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ. That is the reason why we study scriptures, to know, to be equipped for every good work, and to do those good works, reflecting the character of God in our lives. That is the reason why we have in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see what? Your good works. And what do they do? They say, very good Vijay. No, no, no. They glorify God. So every good work that we do should reflect the character of God. It's inspired by God. And therefore, even as we study scripture, what is happening to all of us, we are being equipped, we are being made complete. All the rough areas in our lives are being made smooth. All the exalted opinions that we have, that we carry in our minds are being made, are, are being humble, we're being humbled. And all the valleys are being made straight. The crooked places, uh, paths are being made straight. All the rough places are being made smooth. That is the reason why we study scripture. That is the reason why this is, that we, that we, through our good works, we glorify our God, that our character of God will be reflected through our lives. That is That was a purpose for even Israel. And they didn't fulfill that purpose. And you see that in Deuteronomy chapter 4. What, it's, what does it say? It says, Surely I have taught you statutes and judgments, just as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should act according to them. You see that? That means your life should be a reflection of what I taught you in the land that uh, which uh, which you go to possess. Therefore be careful to observe them, for this is your wisdom. And your understanding in the sight of all the peoples. You see that? Who will hear all these statutes and say, surely this nation is great. Why? They have 
A wise and understanding people. Why do they become wise and understanding? Because they follow the statutes and they are taught the statutes and the commandments and the judgments of God. That is the reason why we come to scripture to learn how to be equipped for every good work in our lives. Okay. Why do we have, and therefore, every, every area in our lives, every area, every department, doesn't matter if you are a student, how to live a st- a life of a student. If you're an employee, how do I live as an employee? If you're a husband, how do you live as a husband? How, if you're a wife, how do you live as a wife? How do you handle finances? Everything that governs our life should be governed by scripture. And that is the reason why we, we, we study scripture, we teach scripture from, in this church. And that is the, that is the emphasis. And you look at that. In Matthew chapter 22 verse 29, this is what Jesus says. Jesus replied, you are in error. Why are you in error? <laughs> you know why are you in error? Because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. You see, you need to, you need both. You need to know the scriptures to understand the standard of God. Yeah. And when you understand the standard of God, you'll say, Lord, how can I fulfill it? Don't worry. I will give you what? The power also. You don't not only need to know the scriptures, you also need to know the power of God and everything that governs your life. Everything. Everything. It doesn't matter. Your marital, your marriage life, your relationships, your financial lives. Especially these days. I mean, you know, there's, there's one book uh, written by one famous Christian philosopher. His name is Dallas Willard. Uh, in, in, in one of his uh, 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 chapters, a subsection, he says, the case of the missing teacher. You know, when believers, especially Christians, are confronted with problems, where do they go for counsel? Financial problems, where do they go? I mean, it's very interesting the kind of terminologies people use in financial managements. They call it debt management. <laughs> How do we do debt management? Every company has one guy who does debt management and Jesus says, don't be debtors to anybody. I mean, and, 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 and I, I listen to some financial experts, uh, you know, like uh, Raghuram Raj and all these people, they use some interesting terminologies. They said, you should rob, your, this government is robbing Paul and paying Peter. Oh, sorry, robbing Peter and paying Paul. I said, robbing Peter and paying Paul? I, where, did this, where did they get this terminology? During those uh, Reformation days, the Church of England had the St. Paul's Cathedral. And St. Peter's Cathedral was in Rome. They had to pay taxes to St. Rome, I mean, to St. Peter's Cathedral in Rome. So instead of paying uh, the St. Peter's Cathedral in Rome, they used to pay all their taxes to St. Paul's Cathedral in London. So that is from where we get the terminology, robbing what? I mean, robbing Paul, sorry, robbing Peter to pay Paul. And I was thinking... If Paul and Peter were away, were alive, they would say, Baba, we never taught you. Don't rob me and pay this guy. That's exactly what, how, what, what people do, right? How do they do debt management? They rob Paul, or rather Peter, to pay Paul. One swipe, full credit limit is over, apply for another credit card, pay off this credit card. Again, perpetual, this is a infinite loop, almost. 
That's exactly how the financial system runs. It's this is what you call you don't why why this is this is the reason why God says why don't why are you in error? Why is there error in your life? Because you do not know the scriptures. And when you know the scriptures and you see God's financial plan, you'll say, Are how can I live like this? God says, Don't worry. I'll also give you the what? The power to believe the scriptures and to obey the scriptures. Therefore, we need to know scripture and we need to have the power. That is the reason why Jesus said, go to Jerusalem. I mean, wait in Jerusalem for how many days? He didn't say 10 days. Until you receive what? Power. It says, uh, other translations will use, until you're clothed from by power from above so that you can be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and to the utmost parts of the world. And that's exactly what happened. The scriptures, the standards of God can only be adhered to by the power of God. And if you are here this morning, and if we, even as we exalt the standards of God, you know, the word of God says, the word of God has got the power to work in those who believe. If you believe, all the standards of God you can obey. Doesn't matter what, which area in your life you are struggling with. That is the reason why we study scripture. Finally, Paul tells Timothy, why do you study scripture? Until I come, devote yourself to public reading of scripture. Those days, no printing press. It was only 1500 years later, Gutenberg invented the printing press and the Bible became available in those languages. Until then, you know, the Bible that we have in our apps and in our phones and the multiple translations of scripture that we possess, boy, this is just a luxury that we have. Those days, they had to come to church and Paul told Timothy, please do not neglect the public reading of scripture. And even today, the Jewish people uh, in their synagogues read the Torah. They go through the Torah in an year and they also read the half Torah portion. They go through the entire Tanakh, the Old Old Testament, in one year, reading through scripture. Never, ever forget that tradition. And he says, don't neglect the public reading of scripture and preaching and teaching. Because they are the standards of every department of your life is given in those scriptures. Bible, the famous acronym that we have, basic instructions before leaving earth. That is the reason why we come and study scriptures, because we want to know what the standards of God are and how we live according to those standards. Therefore, what am I going to teach you today? A title today's message, Godly Mothers in the Last Days. We get our standards from where? From scripture. Not from the world. Okay. We don't get scripture, we don't get standards from the world. If you, one of the most amazing books in the Bible for me, practical, I love that book and I can never stop loving it. The more I read it, the more I love it. Of all the books in the Old Covenant, one book I love the most. Do you know what that is? Excuse me? Proverbs. Proverbs. My favorite, favorite, favorite book. And also comes with a warning. The guy who wrote Proverbs, I don't know if he's in heaven. I don't know. Okay. So Proverbs chapter 1, verses 7 to 9. This is scripture. 
And today, it's for mothers. I mean, I, 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 this is not intentionally for mothers. It could be, it is for all of us because basic principles of, of parenthood and, and how to live a godly life according to scriptures are, are mentioned here. So don't get offended. It is not targeting toward only women. And most often it happens that in most of my meetings, uh, women outnumber the men. Uh, and here also I think it's almost the case. So Proverbs chapter 1 verses 7 to 9 and we'll see the standard of God. This is what he says. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. The first proverb of Solomon after his introduction, he says, the first thing that you need to know is how to reverence me. And if you know, especially our generation, we have completely lost in several areas, even now we struggle with this. We don't understand what it is to fear God, to reverence Him. We don't understand it. And He says, if you really want to know, have knowledge in your life, the beginning, the A, B, C, D of knowledge is to fear me first. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So, where should this fear of the Lord be taught? Very the next two verses. My son, hear the instruction of your father. You see the instruction over here? Instruction of your father. And do not forsake the law of your mother. Some other, other translations will use the word teaching of your mother. Instruction of your father, the Teaching or the law of your mother, for they will be graceful ornaments on your head and chains about your neck. Therefore, in order to teach the fear of the Lord, fathers have to be instructors, mothers have to be, not lawyers, teachers, okay? (laughs) I know because mothers like to, I think, possibly, I don't know, uh, argue, but that's the idea. Father has to be an instructor. Mother has to be a teacher. And if father is an instructor, mother is a teacher, home is a ah, school. You got that? No brainer. It's as clear as day. So if you want people to be taught the fear of the Lord, the tool or the institution that God has ordained is the family. Where the father is the instructor and the mother is the lawyer or the teacher. And both these have to instruct them in the fear of the Lord so that graceful ornaments on your head and chains. In other words, the the very character that is formed in the child is a result of instruction and teaching of the father of the mother. Do you see? This is father and mother. This is not two fathers. No, it's not two mothers. It is father and mother. This has to be ingrained into our minds because it is even coming into our own country. The place we very famously call God's own country. You know which state I'm talking about. Things happening even in our own country where the very definition of the family is being changed. It is not two fathers. It is not two mothers. It is one father and it is one mother. And the father has to be an instructor 
and the mother has to be a teacher and both of them have to instruct the teacher uh, the children the fear of the lord therefore it is not the primarily the 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 the, uh, the responsibility of the church not the responsibility of the sunday school not the responsibility of the youth pastor it is not the responsibility of the school that you send it is the responsibility of the father and the mother to instruct and teach the fear of the lord so that the character of the lord of god is being formed in the child see do you see so if fathers have to be instructors and the mothers have to be teachers you know it's famous admonition to fathers fathers do not provoke your children to anger but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the lord so if the fathers have to be teachers of discipline and instruction so what should fathers be they should be disciplined and well instructed you now the famous was that we we all quote very love to quote all my children will be taught of the lord who's going to teach them huh children will be taught the word is taught as limuth discipline all the children will be disciplined taught of the lord and great will be the peace of the children who's going to teach the fathers those are the people who are going to teach but how are they going to teach how are they going to instruct unless they are instructed first You see the principle this is there throughout scripture Ezra chapter 7 verse 10 for Ezra had set his heart to study the law of God why did he study the law of God first to do what to do it and then to you see this is not professors giving a lecture in university this is a workshop where you have an instructor who's working along with you to build character that is the difference between a humanities course and an engineering course humanities course you get theory life make kaisa jeena chahiye or different ideologies are there but professor who is teaching engineering he has to go to the lab and test all his theories and he has to work with students to test therefore he has to first do it and we used to have a professor who was uh, you know we were all lecturers under training This professor is to sit on our heads to first finish the experiments ourselves first before we teach the students. You see, and because very complicated, it's not easy. Troubleshooting. You need to know your subject. In other words, you need to have known your subject. You should have lived your subject. Otherwise, you will not have the authority. You know, you know. The, this is, the problem is so many fathers in the homes have no authority because their lives are an absolute compromise. They don't have authority. What about Jesus? How did he teach? Acts chapter one, verses one to two. In my former book Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to, ah huh, ah, huh, to do and teach. How did he do it? Until the day was taken up to heaven. Right from the time he started his public ministry, he did and he taught. by the holy spirit and gave instructions to the holy spirit you see he was able to give instructions because he himself was what instructed and taught you see that's the that is the order i mean of course this is all 
for fathers thankfully you you can escape today it is not fathers day it is mothers day and i will ask pastor james to do the fathers because i can also speak. then fathers have to be instructors mothers have to be teachers do not uh, forget your father's teaching i'm sorry your father's instruction and your mother's law do not forsake the law of your mother if the fathers have to be well instructed should the mothers be any different mothers do you have the law of god in your heart that is for you today if I mean think about it no all the so many things that you have to do as mothers do you take time out to spend time with god in knowing the law of god that's what torah the by the way in the in the bible torah instruction teaching you have specific times that you take for yourself where you soak yourself with the scriptures and that has been my challenge oh, of late reading through the bible studying and soaking myself right from the time i get up i just start listening reading listening reading listening reading because i want it for myself i want to eat it for myself i want to be instructed myself and the question is mothers especially do you have time allotted for yourself where you can be well, well instructed in the law so that you can teach your children the ways of the lord you know from contemporary uh, not contemporary from church history especially maybe 200 years last century maybe we had two of the great wesley brothers charles wesley the hymn writer and john wesley the evangelist and the pastor and the church planter and the and the and the apostle and the prophet and the what have you okay you know susanna wesley is the mother she was a mother of 19 children i mean i was thinking about that 10 children died during infancy husband was a preacher and because of the huge family that they had they were in tremendous financial crisis she used to milk the cows do all kinds of stuff and and one day this is what you know in her autobiography or some biography somebody was writing this is about susanna wesley when susanna wesley was young she promised the lord that for every hour she spent in entertainment she would give to him in prayer and in the word thought that was i hung my head in shame and i saw look think about what entertainment those people had those days they went to ballroom dances maybe so boring uh, what bo- i mean ballroom dances are so boring i know that i mean especially of course if you if you put the whole ambience of romance maybe it will be a little interesting but otherwise it's boring that is the only entertainment that i had and she said you know of all the enter- time that i could spend for entertainment i said lord i want to give for every hour i spend i want to give that hour for praying and for the reading of the word and you know what she used to struggle with this entire family and she had a very difficult husband they used to disagree on many issues especially financial issues i mean you look at any marriage the major argument is where should the money go right i mean right from childhood i know even my home home and from my ex home and my current home the same thing 
where many people disagree. I mean, many couples disagree because they have their own agendas, especially. Mothers have a different idea as to where the money should be spent and dads have a different idea where the money should be spent and so many, but, but in all the clamor and the activity, you know what she said, Lord, I want to pray. I want to pray and she never used to get time. There was not even space for her to pray. You know what she used to do? She used to have an apron. And she used to tell her children, the moment you see mama putting the apron on her head, everybody should know that you have to be quiet now because she is talking to Jesus. And because of that consistent prayer life, in spite of a difficult marriage and a difficult husband, an incredible financial crisis, she could produce two of the greatest men in church history. And you know something else? She had a daughter who got pregnant out of wedlock. Those days. I mean, these people had seen heartache. And yet they followed God. That is the, that is a hero. You know, sometimes some people say, what, what are you, are you only a housewife? What is only a housewife? I mean, there's one lady who wrote, wrote an article. John Piper quotes it. He says, only a housewife? I'm so tired of all those ignorant people who came up to my husband to ask him if his wife was a full-time, has a full-time job or she's just a housewife. Here's my job description. I'm a wife, mother, friend, confidant, personal advisor, lover, referee, peacemaker, housekeeper, laundress, chauffeur, interior decorator, gardener, painter, wallpaperer, dog groomer, veterinarian, Manicurist, barber, seamstress, appointment manager, financial planner, bookkeeper, money manager, personal secretary, teacher, disciplinarian, entertainer, psychoanalyst, nurse, diagnos- diagnostician. Of course, my mother, my my wife calls me. I think she's got fever. I'm the diagnostic in my home, but that's okay. But that's beside the point. Publish, public relations expert, dietitian, nutritionist, baker, chef, fashion coordinator, and letter writer for both sides of the family. And if you want to replace me, those days in 1994, you would need to pay at least $75,000 per annum to replace me. And you call it only a housewife? You know, I think most homes, right? Who manages the money? Oh, I, I remember when I was growing up, every time I wanted to have some money, I used to go, Mama, Fincham pocket money. She used to go to one dabba there, tuck, 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 tuck. She used to, I said, from where did he get all the money? You see, money manager, oh, this is a housewife. You see, only a housewife? Why? Do you know mothers? Your job description? Who wants to be a mother? <laughs> that is the reason why many, we have, uh, in our generation, we postpone parenthood indefinitely until one day like China, we will regret. That's besides the point. That's a different other message. See? That is, that is a calling that you have. Do you think you are sufficient for this thing? You know how much you need God. Do you have a law to teach your children? Do you have a law? Do you have, you know, Proverbs chapter 31 talks about the law of kindness is in our heart. Do you have the law of kindness? 
Why should you have the law of kindness? It is because the kindness of God that leads us to what? Repentance. You have that law? What is the law that you have? Do you have a law at all? If your child were to ask you, I mean, if I were to ask your child this question, what is the law of your mother? What will the answer that I get? Interesting. So today I want to look at two mothers, two mothers in the old covenant, and possibly one mother, mothers, one mothers, one mothers in the new covenant. One mother, old covenant mother, I want to look at. You know that lady very well, but we learn, you know, we learn about the law in her heart and what she should have, she would have taught her son. You see, the mouths of a person are deep words. They echo what is there in your heart. She never said, this is the law that I have in my heart. No, 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 no. We have to infer from what she spoke. 1 Samuel, chapter 1, verses 21 to 23. Now the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to, uh, went to, went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and as well, you know this with the mother I'm talking about, I'm talking about, of course, Hannah, the quintessential mother in the old covenant. If you take, I mean, we don't know the history of other mothers, we know the history of mothers who messed up, we don't know the, really the history of the mothers who really didn't mess up as much, but this mother stands out. Now the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah did not go up for she said to her husband, not until the child is weaned. Then I will take him that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. That is her conviction. She said, not until the child is weaned. Verse 23. So Elkanah husband said to her, do what seems best to you. This is, uh, this is like the wife of Deborah. His name is Lapidoth. Lapidoth. Okay. You all, they all take back seat. Let the wives do the job. Okay. But that's, it's not a Father's Day message. Okay. Father's Day message will ask pastor to do it. So Elkanah, her husband said, do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only let the Lord establish his word. Then the woman stayed and nursed her son and until she had what? Weaned him. Now, there is a spiritual significance to this. What is a spiritual significance to this? Isaiah chapter 28, verses 9 and 10, in the King James Version, it renders it beautifully, the spiritual principle of being weaned. Whom shall he teach knowledge? Whom shall he make to understand what? Read that, please. Doctrine. Talked about doctrine last time, right? Them that are what? Weaned from milk and drawn from the breasts. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. You know, in order to really, really come out of spiritual meat, milk, and to really devour solid spiritual food, you have to be weaned. That's exactly what Hannah was doing with her child. 
weaning him off and preparing him so that this man could be a mature son who would have the capacity to to digest and eat spiritual meat and not milk. See this in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12 onwards. For by this time you ought to be what? Teachers, meaning teachers, instructors, etc., etc., etc. But you need someone teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God and you have come to need milk and not solid food. Why? For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. For he is still an infant, a baby. He is still not weaned off milk. Now, Francis Chan made a fantastic uh, example. He called his uh, teenage to be married. No, she's a 20 year old, I guess. She's getting, ma- she's getting married very soon. She called. He called him on stage. He took a bottle of uh, milk with the nipple and he started making a drink. And all of them are watching. How does this look like? He said, disgusting. Absolutely. That's the point that he wanted to make. Think about it, no? So many people in the church, they have to be given. They're not, they don't have the capacity to digest solid food. They're not weaned. And you know what? Hannah understood that my son... If he has to be someone who will change the destiny of Israel, he should be a person who is weaned off milk and has the capacity to grasp and eat solid food. Why do many people not have solid food? Solid food belongs to those who are full age. You, I mean, I have two twin nephew and niece now. You give them mutton now, gone. I can kill them literally, almost. Those who by reason of their senses have their senses exercised to both good and evil. That is what Hannah was doing. She was weaning her son of milk. Another place, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 onwards. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who still are worldly. Mere infants in Christ, babies. Why? I gave you milk, not solid food, because you are not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. Why? Because there is jealousy. There is quarreling. Are you not worldly? Think about it, no? Home is full of quarreling. Kadang, 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 kadang. Dash! All sounds. Sound effects. That's what he's saying. Quarreling. There's no peace. Are you not babies? Do you have the law of God in your heart? Do you have instructions to instruct your children? That is Hannah. So today I want to see what is the law she had in her heart. You know Hannah's prayer, right? You know, she, she just prayed. We have to glean. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter and the glory of kings search it out. How many kings here? Oh, you're not very sure. First Samuel chapter 2 verses 1 to 2. Look at see. Look at this is This is Hannah's prayer when she goes to the presence of God to offer Samuel for good. She's not going to take take him back anymore. First thing. My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. 
My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you. There is no lock like our God. You know, she's singing, in other words, my hope is built on nothing less but Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground, including Samuel, is sinking sand. My hope is not built on Samuel, whom I longed for. He is not my identity. My hope is not my husband who gave me the son. They don't make me. You know what? Who makes me? Who's my rock? He's my rock. You know, think, think about it, no? In many homes, many, many homes, the source of identity for the mother, or even the parents in India, are the children. How, you know, you should know, how do, how do I know that my children are not my idol? How, how, what is the test that I have? And I can ask myself, I ask myself, Lord, how do I know that my, but my, my children are not my idol, idol? How do I know it? You know, there's a principle, okay, there's a principle in the Old Covenant. The Old Covenant principle in Deuteronomy, it says, if you have a, if you have a son, who's a crazy fellow, rebellious, naughty, drunkard, you know what you should do? You should discipline him. And after discipline, he doesn't continue to, I mean, if he doesn't uh, get disciplined, you should take him to the elders of the town in front of everybody who should say, this son of mine, I have been disciplining him, I have been, I have been trying to correct him, but he would not listen to me, he is a rebel, what should we do to him? Stone him to death. I mean, think about it now, just think about it. Now, that is, that is, you can say that is extreme, but that is old covenant. What should be the standards in the new covenant, lower or higher? So, I'm not, so obviously new covenant doesn't say you should stone your child. But let me ask you this question. If somebody else other than you corrects your child, how would you feel? Now think about it, no? If, like, for example, I have elders in our church, Pastor James and sisters, so look at Abigail and they see something in Abigail and they say, Vijay, if you don't reprimand her and correct her now, this is what's going to happen to her. I remember once some time back, uh, girls are crazy about dresses, right? We had some wedding in our church, some arbit wedding. Okay. So we told Abigail, Abigail, this Somebody is getting married. When are they getting married? Uh, two months from now. Which dress should I wear? And Justin and I just looked at each other and I went and told Pastor, Pastor, this is what she said. He said, Pastor, Vijay, you know what, Vijay? She's getting worldly, Vijay. If you don't deal with it now, later on, it's going to be a major issue. I'm, I'm just thinking about it. I was thinking, you know, do we really, really, really have Jesus as our everything? And everything that we do, even bringing up children, is for His glory. He is my everything. He is my all. 
both great and small. We sing those songs and that's the reason why Zach Poonan says many believers come to church and lie on Sundays the most. So because when they're singing all to Jesus I surrender, they are not surrendering. You see? They don't surrender. Think about it now. If somebody says something about your child, that is when I know that my child is not my idol. Then I will be able to release my child for the glory of God and for the purposes of God. Because I don't trust in my child. My child is not not my savior. My husband, even though I call him Pati, he is not my savior. My God is my savior. He is my rock. And therefore, I am able to release my children. First thing, let me ask mothers, are you able to release your children for the glory of God? Is that law written in your heart? That even if one day God said, take your son as your only son and offer him on the altar as a sacrifice, will you release without any perturbation, perturb, without, without any hesitation? Will you? First Peter chapter 3. For in this manner, in former times, O holy woman, what? Who? Trusted in God. They trusted in God. He is my rock. He is my fortress. Also adorned themselves being submissive to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Adonai. That's the word. Adonai. Adonai. That's amazing, right? What, what is happening? I'm taking Isaac. Where? To offer him as a sacrifice. God said, Please go. Yes, Adonai. I'm able to release. I'm telling you something. In Indian society, especially even till date, parents have such a stronghold over the son especially. They have not released. Because they still search for identity in their children. Even after they get married. Do you have that law? Are you able to release your children? Are you able to hold them loosely and train them for the Lord? Only if you say, Lord, you have given these children to me as a loan, as a gift for only a specific period of time. And I have to do everything that it takes to equip him to see that the law that is in my heart is transferred to him so that he can find you and he can find your purpose and he can fulfill your purpose and his destiny in your kingdom. That is the law written on Hannah's heart. Do you see that? Second, talk no more proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge and by Him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken but the feeble bind on strength. One of the things you need to understand, every child has an element of arrogance. You know that? Oh, doesn't matter if they are living in godly homes. I know myself. I remember some time back when I was, those days I was teenager. I wrote an exam and came home. I didn't do it that well and some relative was waiting for me to ask me, how did you do the exam? I came home and I looked at him. My parents said, how did you write it? I didn't answer. I said, I don't want to say how I wrote. I don't want to say. I don't want to say. I don't want to say. And that poor man was getting embarrassed. And my parents were getting embarrassed. 
Christ. You know something? There is arrogance in children, my dear brothers and sisters. Right from the child, the time that they come out, they have an attitude. A personality will show up. Beware of that. You know, this is to mothers. Okay? And fathers also. Proverbs chapter 29 verse 15. The rod and reproof give wisdom. But a child who gets his own way brings shame to whom? To whom? To his mother. You know, so many uh, homes. Who is ruling the home? The child is ruling the home. He has his own way. And the child is never reprimanded. You know, and every time that guy goes out, you know, what they say? I remember, remember, Rishi was, is is he there? Yeah, he's there. Uh, Okay, Rishi uh, Rishi was very young. I didn't take his permission to share, but I don't think he'll mind. He was very young, he was possibly about three or four, third class, third third grade or fourth grade, I'm not sure. We we had gone to Chennai, and he was one of the most mischievous kids, uh, and I was the elder brother. So we went to a mall for shopping. And he was just running left, right in, in Chennai. Oh my goodness, he was, and he was really irritating one lady who was buying some sari. And she got so frustrated, she come, kept running out. She, I don't think he remembers. She came running after and I was there. Whose son is this fellow? He's not saying, what kind of a son, what kind of a boy are you? No, 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 no. What kind of a parents do you have? They bring disgrace to the mother. Understand, my dear brothers and sisters, that every child, including Samuel, had arrogance. (laughs) And Hannah knew it. She said, Baba, if I don't handle this fellow right now, when I release him into the kingdom of God, when that fellow has to be corrected, he will never take correction and he will never submit to authority. I have to deal with arrogance now. And so what does she do? Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will remove it far from him. In Telugu, it's even more interesting if you literally translate it. This is Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24. Whoever spares the rod hates his son. Yeah? But he who loves him is diligent, consistent, consistent to discipline. Oh, and I'm telling you, to discipline a child is a very difficult thing, especially for parents. And especially if you have girls. Abigail is not here. I can tell you the story. You know, Abigail, recently she was giving mother a hard time and mother said, I am going to reprimand you today. You are not going to sleep in my room. You are going to sleep in the other room. All by yourself. No, mama, no, no, no. Sleep in the other room. I was not at home, by the way. And she was there, sleeping in the room, tears all over her eyes. And after a while, I come home. And I look at Abigail. Abigail, what happened? Papa, mama said, she can't sleep with her in the room. Immediately I looked at her, my heart started melting. I said, oh, you poor thing. But then my sense got the better of me and said, why did she say that? Because I was disobedient. Ah. You didn't say I was disobedient and therefore mama reprimanded me. No, 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 no. You are very smart. 
You know, my heart was aching. I said, no way, you're going to stay here. There is no second court of appeal. No supreme court. Husband and wife, one judge. Both are one. When it comes to discipline. You know, in Telugu, there is a famous for discipline. Utiki? I mean, this there. I mean, I'm not saying those things. It's there in the Bible. Proverbs 20:30. Blows and wounds scrub away evil. Utiki? Are you know what is scrubbing mean? You take a you, uh, you take a uh, fish, right? It has got scales. What do you do? That's what it means. Blows and wounds scrub away evil. Beatings purged the inmost being. You want to change the character? We need to discipline. But it's a strange thing. You know, even Jesus, God doesn't do, want to do it. You know, Jesus never had to be disciplined. You know that. You know, we, <laughs> it's an interesting thing, you know. We ask, it's, 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 in the, it's, in the, it's an experiment in our family, you know. So I ask, we just ask Abigail. Abigail, Bible says, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it out. It is better for you to enter into heaven with one right hand rather than both right hands going to hell. If your right eye causes you to sin, Cause it out. It is better for you to go to heaven with one right eye, one, one eye than having both your eyes into in hell. So she asked her the question, what do you want, Abigail? Do you want both hands and both eyes and in hell or you want one eye and one hand and in heaven? She looked at Mama and she said, no Mama, I want both eyes, both hands in heaven. What is she saying? Yes. I don't want to come to a point wherein this one hand I have to go. I want to be disciplined so that I can go to heaven whole. You know, I mean, discipline, Jesus never had to be disciplined, but Paul had to be. Every All of us have to be disciplined. Only Jesus was never disciplined. He endured hardship and discipline for us, but he never had to be disciplined for character to be formed. See? That is the reason that God is doing it. Why? He wants to purge our inmost. The inner man has to be purged. The character has to be purged. You see? That is the reason why Hebrews chapter 12 verses 10 to 11 says, For they indeed, that is fathers, chastened us as seemed best to them, for he, for our prophet, that we may be partakers of his, what? Holiness. That the character of God be formed in our inmost parts. Now no chastening seems to be joyful at the present. How many of you like it? I mean, sometimes you say, it hurts me more than it hurts you. And the child looks at, yeah, right, I know. But it's true. It's true. It hurts the parents more than it hurts the, the child to discipline. Now, no, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, do not withhold Discipline from a child. If you punish them with the rod, they will not die. Try to try to do that, doing that. I mean, unless you take and beat her on the head and do stupid things. That is not what he's saying. You don't ever reprimand your child in anger. And one man of God told his elders, "Whenever you are angry, please don't preach. Tell me, I am angry. I don't want to preach. If you strike him with the rod, you will save his soul from Sheol or from hell." Okay, so Hannah understood that, that a child needs discipline. That's the law that she had in her heart. The third law. First law, he's not my own, he's God's. Second law, he needs discipline, 
he needs correction. Third law, 1 Samuel chapter 2 verses 6 to 8. The Lord kills and brings to life. Aha. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts up the needy from the ash sheep to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and on them he has set the world. What is the third law? You know what she's telling Samuel? Samuel, never exalt yourself. Why exaltation? Psalm 75 verses 6 to 7. For not from east or from west and not from the wilderness comes exaltation. Promotion does not come from the east. Promotion does not come from the west. And neither does it come from the wilderness. So if you have not been given an appraisal in your office, God has withheld it from you. You got it? Everybody? Do you have the courage to accept that? Or will you fight? But it is God who executes judgment, putting down one and lifting up another. You see, he was, she was telling Samuel, Samuel, you are going to go into the ministry. Don't clamor for positions of authority. Be a humble servant. Be a servant. Submit to authority. Oh my goodness, I tell you, this, this, uh, this part of godly character, I don't know how many really, really, really believe it. That you have to submit another authority. You see? So, I mean, you have one gift, people say, I'm prophet, apostle, etc., etc., and I'll start a meetings and, and go bankrupt. I mean, there's never a hidden life in God. No crushing. You know about, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a, uh, story of, uh, not a story, this, this is in the Bible, scripture. Some, Jehoshaphat is going with this Israeli king and he's wanting to inquire of the Lord. So he asks somebody, he says, is there a prophet of the Lord with, from whom we can inquire? And they said, yes, 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 there is a man called Elisha, son of Shaphat. You know how he's introduced? He is a man called Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who poured water in the hands of Elisha. That was his introduction. What is Elisha? Servant of Elijah. So prophet. Do you see prophets like that? Who are servants? Think. Think about it. To be introduced as I don't mind. Honestly. I mean I'm not boasting. If people are to call me a chauffeur of Pastor James I would not be Who's Vijay? Vijay, the assistant pastor who's also a chauffeur. I don't mind it. I'll tag it as a tail on my name. I'll take remote doctor also. No problem. No problem. Because I want to be under authority. Because promotion, it's God who exalts. I don't have to clamor for anything in the kingdom of God. And I've seen it happening time and time again. People try to clamor for positions of authority and leadership. And she was telling Samuel, Samuel, exaltation doesn't come from the east. It doesn't come from the north. It doesn't come from the west. It comes from God. First Peter chapter 5. So therefore, what should you do? First Peter chapter 5, verses 5 to 6. You younger men, women, etc. Likewise, be subject to your elders. Yeah? 
Subject to your elders and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another for God is opposed to the proud and gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Come under authority. Come under godly leadership. Come account be accountable to godly leadership ask them questions let them correct let them spank let them use the rod on you so that the the innermost be man is being purged of all the nonsense and pride and what have you see you need that do you think you don't need it how many of you think don't, you don't need it i mean you don't have to raise your hands think about it do you need it do you need accountability do you have somebody whom you are accountable to Hmm? How do you exalt yourself? That's what happened to first king in first Kings chapter one verses five to six. Now Edonijah, the son of Hagith, what happened? Huh? Read it. Exalted himself. David's son. I will be king. Nene Raju. He made a movie, Nene Raju, Nene Mantri. Okay. And he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen and fifty men to run before him. His father, why? His father had never at any time displeased him or corrected him by saying, why have you done this and so? He was also a very handsome man and he was born next after Absalom. Why did he not correct him? He was very handsome. Why did you, why do, why do children, parents not correct their children? Oh, they're very intelligent. Are you always gets 100 and A plus student. Why should we correct him? You know, many intelligent students get away with ungodly behavior and character. Do you know that? So in order for you to have this law, you have to have it in your heart, right? So question, mothers, are you humble yourself? How do you behave at home when parents, when children look at you and say, mama submits to papa? Just ask this question. First Peter chapter 3 verse 1. Likewise, wives be subject to your own husbands so that even if some do not obey the word, that they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives. Boy, or do you take a Bible study for your, for your husband or write an email if you're not able to take a Bible study? You know, this is Solomon, you know, he's a he's a great man. Okay, he wrote Proverbs. Every time he's, I mean, if you read the book of Proverbs, a very nice uh, structure it has got. One to ten or one to nine are Proverbs of on wisdom, and it's like one steady flow of thought. From ten onwards, there are collections of Proverbs which he which people have collected over a period of time, and maybe he wrote it sequentially. So every time proverb you you read you read Proverbs, suddenly he will write something something something. Suddenly he will interject something. And again, there's something, 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 and it comes back to, again, the same thing. With some additions. Okay, so every time you read, I mean, there's a particular proverb. This is what it says in Proverbs chapter uh, 21, verse 9. Please, uh, mothers, don't get offended. Or ladies, don't get offended. It is there in the Bible. And if you want to argue, you can argue with him. Uh, if he is there in heaven. Okay? That is Solomon. So he, he writes, 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 writes. Suddenly you will interject one proverb. What is the proverb? It is better to live alone in the corner of an attic than with a quarrelsome, quarrelsome nagging wife in a lovely home. Okay, and he writes, okay, I mean this man should know better because he has thousand wives. 
So he, from experience he is speaking. So he has 700 wives, 300 concubines. He visited one home and he said, Baba, this lady driving me crazy. I should go to the attic and go there and hide rather than being there with her in this lovely, beautiful home. And he came back the next day and started writing again. Finished writing a few proverbs. Ten proverbs later, he adds something else because he goes to another home. And this lady drives even more crazy. This is 10, 10 verses later. 29, 21 verse 9, 21 verse 19. It is better to live alone in the desert. Ore Baba, attic me Run to the desert. Than with a quarrelsome, complaining, nagging wife. For sure, thousand wives, two verses only. No, 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 there's another verse. I didn't put it there. He says, a nagging wife is like a constant dripping of water. I used to wonder what this constant dripping of water is until recently I came across a military torture strategy. Military torture strategy is they put a guy under constant dripping of water for several hours. One drop at a time. That fellow says, tell me the secrets. He will say, one drop of water as if I am going to uh, succumb to the pressure of one drop of water. Huh, is it? We'll come back in six hours, okay? Six hours. Tuck, tuck. Oh, same place, the pressure has increased. He's shouting and he's shouting and he's screaming. No, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to give the secrets out. Six more hours, don't worry. We have a lot of time. Let's go play poker. They go play poker and come back. Oh, please get me out of this water, I'm going to confess. That's exactly constant dripping of water. Are you like that, wives? Constant dripping of water. Tuck, tuck, tuck. Nagging, nagging. Pressure increasing. Brain eating. Tuck, tuck. Fellow says, Baba, attic me binako, desert me binako. I don't even want to go home now. You see that? This is the law that she had in her heart. Exaltation does not come. Humble yourself. This is what she modeled. She never clamored for positions of leadership in her home. And I believe this guy, this guy saw it. Can you imagine who was more, he was more spiritual. Hannah was spiritual or Elkanah was spiritual? Ah. So if you are more spiritual, then you should be more submissive. Directly proportional, by the way. There is no inverse proportionality over, over there. Hmm? That is the law of Hannah, my dear brothers, my dear sisters. Do you have that law? This is what you teach at home. That you you don't hold your children tightly. You release them for God. That you say, you know what? I am going to discipline my child. I know because arrogance and foolhardiness is there. So that he will learn that discipline is the way of life. It's just not today. If he doesn't get disciplined today, later on, he will never get disciplined. Because discipline itself is a discipline. You know that? Third, don't clamor for positions of leadership. Let God exalt you. Humble yourself under leadership. Doesn't matter if it is godly or ungodly. Doesn't matter. Because exaltation does not come from the east. Does not come from the west. It comes from God. Do we have this law? My dear mothers. From Samuel to another person called Lemuel. No, we have mother of Samuel, we have the mother of Lemuel. This is Proverbs chapter 31. The words of King Lemuel. 
An oracle that his mother taught him. Oracle, instruction, uh, insight, several renderings. What are you doing, my son? <laughs> Love that. What are you doing, my son of my womb? What are you doing, the son of my vows? Do you ask this question to your son? What are you doing? What are you doing? You have an answer. What are you doing? What is this behavior? What am I hearing? Do you know you are the son of my vows that I have dedicated you to the Lord? How is that you are behaving like this? Hmm. Strong words. And then he says, the first lesson she teaches Lemuel, which is the other name for for Solomon. Lemuel means for God, dedicated to the Lord, to God. El is God. Lemo, Lemo is to be dedicated to God. The first thing she teaches, and I wish Solomon understood this and took it to heart and applied it into his life. Just because you've been, you have godly teachers and godly parents, it does not mean that you will be godly all the days of your life. Let me, let me tell you that. Look at what it says in verse 3. Do not give your strength to women. Wow. Your ways to those who destroy kings. This is to whom? Solomon. What about Solomon? First Kings chapter 11. King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughters. Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians and the Hittites. They were from nation about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you may not, must not, not may not, must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. It's like this commandment that God gave Adam. If you eat of the tree, you shall surely, what? Die. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast them in, oh, in love. And then what happened? He had 700 wives of royal birth. Boy, 300 concubines. And his wives led him astray. As Solomon grew old, his wives, especially when he grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father. He followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of Sidonians, and Molech, the detestable god of Ammonites. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord God completely as David, his father, had done. His heart was completely turned away. Did he take that to heart? You know what a tremendous responsibility this was? Think about it, no? Think think about it, think. Uh, our day and age especially. Our day and age. You now I was teaching the... VBS students from a VBS from John Bunyan's book called The Holy War. You know the first war that the, that Satan attacks. You know there are four characters in the war. He says first he wants to get rid of what there's a man called Captain Innocence. He wants to kill. I mean Captain Resistance, right? Captain Resistance, and he wants to kill Lord Innocence. There are two things he wants to destroy. He wants to destroy the resistance in you. He wants to destroy the innocence in you. You know something? Do you know how difficult it is to find innocent people? Innocent. Be excellent at what is good. And innocent. Especially in this day and age when we are bombarded. It doesn't matter which website you open. 
you bombarded by pornographic and doesn't matter amorous images which will spoil your mind and steal your innocence. And I came across this very powerful verse in Hosea chapter 8, just recently when I was reading. So this is something fantastic which just, just popped from the from the Bible. Hosea chapter 8 was 5, 2 verses, 2 uh, uh, renderings I want to see. The New Living Translation. Samaria, throw out your calf idol. My anger burns against them. How long will they be incapable of purity? You know something? We have a generation which is incapable of purity. They're not capable of pure thoughts. Incapable of purity. Another translation, look at what it says, the other translation, this is in most translations, including the KJV. This says, my anger burns against them, how long will they be, what? Incapable of innocence. You can, do you find people who are innocent? Boy, they know too much. They know too much. They know too much. I mean, they are smart. I, I remember I had uh, Samir over to my place, Samir's children over to my place uh, during previous few weeks back. And Joanna and Aman were there and we had a get together and I had to, I was supposed to drop Joanna and Aman back home. So, uh, Joanna Aman said, no, 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 I want to stay with uh, Abigail and Emanuela. I want to play then I told Jonathan, you see, you can't play because we didn't take permission from your father. Take permission from your father. If your father says yes, you can come. If your father says no, you don't, you can't come. And with knowing very well that father will say no. And I'm driving her back home and she says something very powerful. She says, you know what? You ask my father. Uh, no, your father might get upset. No, 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 no. You're a pastor. If you say, he will not say no. You are a servant of God. I, my jaw dropped. I was stunned. You say, he will obey. Think about it. Think about it. She's, you know what? She's, she's still not turned five. She understands everything. She understands authority, how it flows. Whom to appeal to. In time of crisis and get my will done. You see? You think they're innocent? Oh, no, 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 no. No, they're not. What a tremendous... Do you see the enormity of responsibility as parents? Mothers, to be mothers, spinsters, bachelors. All, some of you waiting and raring to be married. Start a home, start a family. You see the enormity of responsibility that we have? You have a generation which is incapable of innocence. Incapable of purity. They've watched too much television. Too much of internet. Too much of pornography. By the time that they're... You don't know what they're exposed to in their schools. You have no idea. My sister Elsa tells me of reports. Boy, I'm stunned within a decade how things have changed in Hyderabad. 
Think about it. So very interesting experiment. Zakmanan gives this experiment. You see, a guy is on a table. And a guy is not on the table. He's down. Is it easy for the guy to pull him up? Or is it easy for the guy who is downstairs to pull him down? Answer? To pull him? Oh, you are very good at physics. The answer is this. The law is what we teach our children. Second Corinthians chapter 6 verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. No. When you say unequally yoked with unbelievers, that means John should not marry Lakshmi and Gadu. John and Lakshmi should not get married. John should get married only to Mary. But Mary could be very contrary. We know that song, Mary, Mary, quite contrary. Very, very true with Mary. On the other hand, Lakshmi has come from a Hindu background. She is better than Mary. And many, many marriage bureaus, they will say, Mary and John should go together. Mary and Lakshmi should not go. They are unequally yoked. Are you sure? Check the spiritual state of the spouses that you are choosing for your husband, for your children. Check. And at least teach them. I mean, if, if you can't influence them, at least teach them. Live that out in your own homes. In other words, both husband and wife, even as they are growing in the home, if they are not at the same spiritual level, they are unequally yoked and one is pulling down the other. Do you know that? Do you know that? And I've seen it happening in Christian marriages where the guy was on fire or the girl was on fire for the Lord and she gets married to this dum-dum called John spiritually. And that guy completely pulls him down. Pulls her down. Or the other words. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? In other words, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 33. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good good morals. Baba, there's no two ways about it. Okay. It's, in Haggai it says, if there's a guy who's holy, and if he touches something unclean, will the unclean become holy or will he become unclean? Answer, he will become unclean. Holiness is not transferable. Non-transferable ticket. Your holiness is only for yourself. See? I mean, it's, I think uh, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 1. If you have one fly in a curry, okay, or one lizard, uh, other translations will use, one lizard in a curry, you'll say, just one lizard, and you'll, will you eat it? No, no, no. One lizard will spoil the whole curry. One And the moment I say lizard, everybody is saying, hey, for me it is you only. That is for shock value. You see? Jeremiah chapter 15 verse 9, this is what he says. This is how the Lord responds. If you return to me, I will restore you so you can continue to serve me. This is to Jeremiah. If you speak good words rather than worthless ones, you will be my spokesman. You must, what? Influence them they should not influence you. He's telling to the most fired up prophet. Baba, I know you are getting influenced. Let me tell you something. If you don't constantly
consistently walk with the Lord and both husband and wife do not walk together in spiritual union, growing together in the hus- in the home, one will drag the other down and it has happened in many homes, even in this church. Understand that. Proverbs chapter 31. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong, strong drink. Lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Meaning, meaning, how much of pleasure should I enjoy? I told my parents, no? Exam over, I am going to movie. Which movie are you going? Don't ask. Finished exam, my responsibility or as if I did a great favor to them. And and whom are you going with? Going alone. Picture no problem. Okay. Just go. So went. That became a habit. One movie, two movies, three movies, whole day movie, whole day television. And I've seen in triple IITs and IITs and all these places, they will start with season one. And the entire day will season one, season two, season three, season four, season five, are khatam nahi hua or dosra, season ten, season n. It's going on and on and on and on. You know, I have, I'll tell you something. This generation, if you look at their attention spans, the most distracted generation on planet Earth. Why are they most distracted? Because they watch Chota Bhim. And they come to school. Why do they watch? What do, um, what do you mean Chota Beam? It's not kosher. No, no, no. It's not about being kosher or not kosher. I'll tell you what about Chota Beam. Chota Beam, you'll have beam here in one frame. You'll have beam here in another frame. In another frame, they're like this, like this, like this. They're watching like this and they come to ch- school like that. They're oscillating in their minds. And you ask them to sit. They cannot sit. I'm not talking about small children. I'm talking about People in the universities level. I'm talking about B.Tech first year students, B.Tech second year students. Sir, I want a break. After 45 minutes of lecture, they want a break. They can't stand. Sustain. Teaching. Distracted. You know why? Because we have a generation which has become pleasure mad. They have to have a movie every Friday. Every Friday. And Bollywood has to churn out movies after movies. Same stupid love story, different different flavors. And they will give reviews. Love stories are like sambar. Sambar you can eat every day and it still tastes good. So are love stories. This is the reviews. So what are you making? Sambar. We have become a generation which is entertainment crazy. And therefore, they lose sensitivity, right? I mean, you think about how sensitive children are when you tell stories. When they have not been exposed to images, especially in my home, if I I tell, uh, uh, what's her name, Emanuela, Emanuela, the dog was in the other lane and it turned into this lane. Or she will shiver like that. You tell it to a teenager. Huh? 
दाग मैट्रिक्स विषयान रीलोडेड वॉट द नीड यू नो सुजाना वेस्ली बाय द वे इन हर बायोग्राफी शी सेज दिस जॉन वेस्ली केम एंड आस्ट हर मामा हाउ वुड यू जज द लॉफुलनेस और अनलॉफुलनेस ऑफ प्लेजर इन अदर वर्ड्स शुड आई टेक वन पेग इज सफिशियंट टू पेग्स थ्री पेग्स और हाफ पेग और नो पेग हाउ डू आई जज सुजाना वेस्ट आंसर यूज दिस रूल शी सेड वॉट एवर वीकेंस योर रीजन इंपेस द टेंडरनेस ऑफ योर कॉन्शियंस अपस्क्योर्स योर साइट ऑफ गॉड टेक्स फ्रॉम यू योर thirst for spiritual things or increases the authority of your body over your mind then that thing to you is evil by this test you may detect evil no matter how subtly or how plausibly temptation may be presented to you that is the reason why scripture says abstain from every appearance of evil abstain run flee why why because it obscures it takes away the thirst for spiritual things my purpose i mean it's impossible for you to have spent 25 maybe two and a half hours watching a movie where you expend all your emotional energy and all your mental energy and then you to read the bible and allow god to speak to you it is impossible it is impossible First hmm? Corinthians chapter ten verse twenty-three. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things edify or build me up. Some pull me down and make me an addict. You know it, right? What makes you an addict? It doesn't have to be ganja. Hmm. One movie is enough. One song is enough. one acquaintance is enough to bring to remembrance the movie scene that you have already seen and you go back and watch it have you experienced that in your life you see the addictions first corinthians chapter 6 verse 12 you say i am i am allowed to do anything but not everything is good for you and even though i am allowed to do everything i must not become a slave to anything that is how you decide which is allowed and which is not allowed that's what he said that is the law that she taught and finally she said open your mouth for the mute for the rights of all who are destitute open your mouth judge righteously defend the rights of the poor and the needy you know you need to know what is right and what is wrong how will you understand spiritual things if you have been inundated with pleasure because you know what last days people will be lovers of pleasure they'll not be lovers of god hmm? do you see the sense of responsibility that we have as mothers enormous enormous who is sufficient for these things <laughs> speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves ensure justice for those being crushed yes speak for those for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice in other words in other words use authority to protect people and not to harm them don't use authority for your own purposes 
My son, hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother. Mothers, do you have a law in your heart that you can teach your children? Do you have those laws inscribed in the part, in the deepmost parts of your heart that you can impart to your children? Have you? Have you been instructing your children in the ways of the Lord? Finally, if you have all failed, there is one example in the new covenant. We can come back to that one example, the one last example, and we'll wind it up. Second, Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 onwards. You must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned them. Whom you have learned them? From your grandmother, grandmother and your mother. And that from childhood, as an infant, you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. You know, let me tell you something. We all failed. And we are all sinners. There is only one way to get back to this through faith on the finished work of Jesus. Because he died for our shortcomings and our sins on the cross according to scriptures. He was buried according to the scriptures. He was raised again for our justification according to scriptures so that we can all learn from him and be godly mothers and godly teachers, godly fathers. Through faith in Jesus. That's that's the hope that we have. We have that hope. Thank God there is hope. You know, I learned from a man of God, always end a message with hope. Don't just tell the problem for people, also tell the solution. Solution is one thing. Lord, I acknowledge that I know nothing. To be a father, it is impossible. To be a mother, it is impossible. Do you see the standards? See, unless we know the standards of scripture, how will he even cry out? Where will the requirement arise even in our own heart? God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. And this morning, this morning, I'm encouraged, I'm, I want to encourage all mothers, it doesn't matter how much we have failed, we can begin right and start right. And I want to tell all unmarried spinsters and bachelors, ask God for this one thing, Lord, my identity is not from the guy whom I'm getting married to. My identity is from you. On Christ the solid rock I stand, every other person and every other relationship is sinking sand. And you have that, get married to a person who has the same attitude and together you will be able to build a godly home. But just because you have built a godly home, it does not mean everything will go honky-dory because you have to continue. If you leave yourself and don't exercise in godliness, exactly how Rebecca and Isaac divided and destroyed the home, the same thing will happen to us. They had the most godly marriage, both equally yoked, both godly, one submissive husband or wife, an absolutely godly husband, but over a period of time, they never grew together and one brought the other down. The home got divided. You don't tend your vineyard. You don't walk together with God. Both of you speak to each other and say, Lord, from today onwards, as husband and wife, we will come together. We want to build a godly home. We determine the Lord, whatever it takes. Because it's not about us. It's about you and your kingdom. Because it says, He, these commandments which I have commanded you should be upon your heart and you shall teach them, your children, diligently when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you rise up, when you, when you sleep. That's the, these commandments which have been given to us, they should be upon our heart. And that is how we teach the next generation. Otherwise, 
we'll lose the next generation. Because we have a generation which is growing up, which is incapable of purity and innocence. You know the incredible responsibility we have as parents to build a godly home. Unless we are fired up about that. Unless we are fired up. It is easy to have children. But to have godly children? Oh, oh no. It's not guaranteed. Do you know that? It is not guaranteed. You can do everything right. But they still will not, may not follow the Lord. Because ultimately they have to make a choice. But God will ask you to, to account for what you have done. What, not how they have responded. It is your choice. But you, you say, Lord, whatever be the case, Lord, I will build a godly home. And I will be a godly mother in these last days. Amen. Shall we all stand up this morning? In the presence of the Lord. And I will just sing one song together. We'll sing, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground. Rishi, can you come please? Rishi and and other worship team. You can play that song. We'll worship and we'll pray this morning. All parents, no, it doesn't, it's not just, this is just not for, uh, for mothers. I mean, this is a responsibility for, 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 for fathers. I'm sure so many fathers are getting the message, Lord, I have to take spiritual initiative in my house. I just cannot be lopsided and slothful. And there was one prayer request, Lord, I want to fight slothful, slothful, but it is, it is a decision that you may have to make. Not to be slothful is a decision. You have to make that choice. And it is possible. It is possible. Let's sing that song. My hope is built on nothing less but Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame but wholly lean on Jesus' name. is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I cannot trust the sweetest fame, the holy need on Jesus' name. On Christ the only rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground I rest on His unchanging grace In every eye and stormy gale My anchor holds within the veil On Christ the only rock of sin All other ground is sinking sand All other ground is sinking sand God His blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, He then is all my open stay. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking.
come when trumpets sound. Oh, may I then in Him live on. Though in this righteousness alone, for blessed to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all on the ground is sinking sand. All on the ground is sinking sand. Yes, Lord, this morning, Father, so many of us have failed. I have failed. Father, your standards are high, Lord. Your requirements, Lord, are heavenly. But Lord, you said, Lord Father, that the word of God has got power to work in those who believe. Father, bring to you all the mothers in this church, Lord. Father, it is not an easy job. It is not an easy responsibility. What an awesome responsibility that they have. What an incredible, awesome responsibility, Lord, is motherhood. Father, where the definition of motherhood is changing in this world, Father, you have exalted it, O Lord, to the highest plane. You said in your word, can a mother forget her suckling child? Yes, she may, even she may, but I will not. Thank you, Father, that even though we were unfaithful, you still remained faithful because you could not deny yourself. And this morning, I, sur- I submit all the mothers into your hands, O oh Lord. Father, they need help. And Lord, as husbands, O oh Lord, we take responsibility for all the mess that we have created in our own homes. Grant us the grace that we will create an environment where spiritual nourishment can happen. Where husband and wife can grow together without being unequally yoked. Where children can grow in an ambience of godliness and can find you. That one day our God will be their God. Father, you said those who honor me, I will honor. And those who lightly, you, those whom we, if we esteem you lightly, you will also lightly esteem us, O Lord. Oh, Father, this morning, we just want to come to you. And Lord, we just want to surrender ourselves as husbands and wives and as mothers and fathers. Father, especially the mothers, grant them grace, Lord. Grant them the grace, O oh Lord. And I want to thank all the mothers, O oh Lord, who have taken the difficult decision, O oh Lord, to sacrifice their careers for their children. I pray you would pour out your double portion of your anointing over their lives, O oh Lord. And grant them the grace to build a godly home. Father, every need that they may have, O Lord Jesus, I pray that you would meet them, O Lord. Father, we know, Father, you said in your word, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the things that we need, you will add unto us, O Lord. We know, Father, if we seek your kingdom and if we put you first, O Lord, you will take care of us. And by faith we come to you this morning and we ask you to help us to be godly fathers and godly mothers and to build a godly home in these last days. Because you said, O Lord, through your prophet, Malachi, you said in the last days you would turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children back to the fathers. And Lord, you told us, Lord, so many times from this pulpit, the mothers would be interceding and praying for the family. And I pray, Lord, you would raise up a warrior of 
prayer warriors, O Lord, in this church, in this, in this, an army of prayer warriors, O Lord, in this church, of mothers and of older mothers, O Lord, Father, who will intercede for their family, O Lord. Lord, you say, lest I come to this earth and, and smite it with a curse. And I pray, Lord, I pray, Lord Jesus, I pray, Father, that, Lord, we will take heed, O Lord, Father, I pray we will not take this lightly. Grant us grace, O Lord, that we will fight for our families. We will fight for our marriages. We will fight for our children. Oh, Father, we will not give up, O Lord Jesus. Until, O Lord, Father, we die, O Lord, we will not give up, O Lord. Because we know, Father, it is not by might or by strength. It is by your spirit, O Lord. It is by might no man will prevail. It is by your spirit, O Lord. Oh, Father, this morning... Surrender ourselves to your kind hands. And Lord, we confess our sin. We confess our failures. And I pray that you would empower us, O oh Lord, to build godly homes and to make a strong church for our next generation, O oh Lord, that they will find you. Father, that will be, that will make it, make it easy for them to, to find you and to follow you in these last days, O oh Lord. Raise us up, O oh Lord. Raise us up, O oh Lord. Raise us up, we pray. To that end we we pray, Lord, that you will bless us, O Lord. You would grant us grace, O Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We want to exalt your holy name this morning. We want to exalt your word above all our circumstances and all our ideas and all the philosophies that we have learned, O Lord. Father, we want to exalt your word above all of these. We want to exalt your scripture because you said in your word that you have exalted your word above all your name, that your word is forever settled in the heavens. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would grant us the grace to raise up the stand Standard, O Lord, Father, even in you, you, because you promised in the word, Father, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against that enemy. And I pray, Lord Jesus, in these last days, we, you will find godly homes, godly fathers, godly mothers who are raising up a standard against the enemy. And all of our children, as we heard this morning, will be taught, they will be discipled, disciplined, and taught of the Lord. And great will be the peace of our children, O Lord. Oh, Father, we pray, Father, for all our children, even in our church, have gone astray. Oh, Father, we continue to intercede for them, O Lord, that you will bring them back, O Lord Jesus, that they will they will find you, O Lord Jesus, and they will know you, and they will serve you in this generation, O Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We worship you, Father. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, Amen.